the wow the podcast that will provide you with the tools you need to thrive in today's society if you're new here then hello i'm georgina beasley your host and if you've listened before then welcome back Outside of hosting this podcast, I work in the suicide prevention space in a marketing and communications role in Canberra. I spend too much time socialising at the dog park with my lovely border collie Murphy and enjoy pizza on the couch with a glass of wine most Friday night. But today we're talking about protecting your finances. If the unexpected were to happen and you suddenly lost your job, broke up with your partner or fell ill, would you be financially stable? We don't often want to plan or think about the worst things that could happen to us. But for many, on the off chance that something may happen, it can leave us in financial distress. So today, financial advisor and single mother of two, Amanda Thompson, is here to share with us why and how to protect our finances so we can continue to be financially stable in all situations we find ourselves in. If you enjoy this episode as much as I did, then please remember to subscribe, leave a review, share it with your friends. And if you haven't already, you better come join us on Instagram at the wow podcast underscore. Good morning, Amanda, and welcome to the wow podcast. Thanks for having me. I am really looking forward to discussing finances with you today. I think protecting your finances especially is such an important topic for young women to learn more about. But before we really delve into it, I want to begin with an acknowledgement of country. So I'd like to begin by acknowledging the Ngunnawal people, the traditional custodians of the land I reside on, and the Wurundjeri Wurrung people of the country Amanda resides on. I pay my respect to the elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners here today. So Amanda, like I said, welcome. I would love if you could start by sharing a little bit about yourself. Okay, so the probably the most important thing about me is I'm the mum to two amazing girls myself. So this podcast is really important to me, having two young girls mm. as well. Um, and I've been a financial advisor for nearly 20 years. Do not go calculating my age, please. <laughs> um, and I started my own business probably four years ago after spending way too many years in the corporate world of banking industry um i also have an absolute love for ironman triathlons so in amongst owning my own business bringing up two girls and iron my ironman triathlons there's uh not much time to spare in my life <laughs> it sounds like you're a little bit of a wonder woman like the got the trifecta there those three boxes they seem to have a lot on your plate <laughs> Oh, wouldn't it be good if you had that magic lasso that she had? Yeah. Like all the things that you could do with that. I could snag myself a really good guy and everything. <laughs> yeah, if only, hey. Um, <laughs> no, do you know what? When you when we originally like touch base, we're discussing this podcast idea of protecting your finances. I thought, oh my gosh, this is something that so many of us need to learn because I think. As you move out of that uni space and you get your first full-time job and you start, you know, squirreling away your money thinking, okay, maybe I want to buy myself a new car or get out of that, you know, that 
that shit box that you bought when you're back in uni, or maybe it's you want to save and go on a holiday, or you want to save for a house, or whatever that might be. You start acquiring assets, um, whether you realize it or not. You start acquiring these things in your life uh, that you know that you can fall back on for financial support, and it really strengthens your financial um, your your bank account and your financial. Um, ability to to be able to purchase things as you wish and so I think it's really important that we look at the opposite side of the picture that's protecting because I think you know on this podcast I've definitely done a couple of episodes of how we can budget you know if you're one of those people that seems to have a bit of a leaky hole in that bank account how can we get on top of our finances but we often don't really consider the the opposite side of it which is protecting it so why is it so important to consider financial protection um, so I'll start with the story. It's the best way I, I, I do things. And I came from a family of or a generation where money wasn't spoken about a lot. Mm. And I'm still finding that especially young people, it's only just starting to move along. So that uni age bracket that you're talking about, they may not have come from a family that, that mm. spoke about money. So we are going into it quite blindly. Um, and the story I, I, I quite happily tell is the story of Kaz, also known as my mum. <laughs> and um, my mum was a single mum with two kids and she worked part-time uh, as a teacher at a school, like many of that generation, wanted to be home for the kids on their school holidays mm. and, and, and putting mum first. And she used to say to me, uh, my brother and I, I don't have a lot. I don't earn a lot. I don't, I'm not going to have enough super, but I'm paying this house off and that will be left for, for you guys. Mm. Um, and the, the problem with that is that Kaz, also known as mum, wasn't thinking about her own future. All she was doing was putting, you know, the, the tag of being a mum and a provider on, on her list of things to do. And the only thing she was really doing is if unfortunately she passed she was leaving an inheritance to my brother and I and that's not a good way to be doing anything um, luckily for her her daughter went in and became a financial advisor <laughs> and she's now living Very in lucky. the Gamby yes <laughs> she's now living in the Gamby quite happily although grandmother duties are a, a bit hard in COVID times but uh, mm-hmm. so, so the story of my mum is a really important one I think of why we need to think about our financial future and what we need to do to protect ourselves in the event of you know our plans going off track Mm, I think, I mean, you really summed it up perfectly there, but we seem to be really concerned in the present moment and not so much the future. Um, You know, what are my responsibilities right now? Right now, I have to pay rent. I have to pay my bills. Um, You know, I want to pay for that holiday I want to go on. But you don't really think of what could happen in the future when it comes to needing to retire or getting unwell or going through a breakup or divorce of some sort, like all those kind of things that along the journey really, although it just seemed, you look at it and go, oh, but I'm just getting sick or I'm just retiring or I'm just going through a breakup but, or divorce. But it's so much more than that because there's a huge financial aspect that comes into play there. So what does financial protection mean and when should we start considering it? Now, right now, every single Mm. person who is listening to this, if they haven't already thought about it, they should think about it. Um, And what it means to me is like everything that um, most of us do is, is 
setting setting a goal now whether that goal is a car or whether it's your superannuation or whether it's uh, to be a multi-million however however your goal sits for you and as an individual um, you need to plan to achieve that goal and once you've got your goals and your plans in play then you can start thinking about okay well what happens if the unexpected happens how how what's my backup plan mm. you know is my backup plan to go back and live with mum and dad um, and I think that we're trying so hard to become independent in so many ways. We forget what financial independence actually means. And financial independence is that we don't have to go back and put our hands out and say, please, can I have some more or, or help me? Um, and that should be the last resort. You, you know, um, I, I felt, felt very, very ill um, when I was well, probably 10 years ago and I was in ICU for quite a period of time um, with two young girls and so I don't want to move back into my mum's house yeah. <laughs> I've worked so hard to build a career for myself um, and so I was I was lucky enough again that I've got the knowledge to, to have put things in in play um, and I had protection and I had savings and all, and all of these things that going it's not just about insurance I mean insurance is an important way and we will get to talk about that insurance is a, a good way of protecting that but there are other things that we need to, to think about and as I said it all comes back to understanding what your relationship with money is so from those podcasts that you've had before about budgeting and being savvy with your money and things like that if you've written it down and you've got a goal and that goal doesn't get reached by things other than yourself, what are you, what are you going to do? So mm -hmm. you need to understand your own mindset around that. Yeah. I, I mean, I've got, this is an interesting question because I'm really, I want to delve in a little bit more about how, you know, your personal journey, Amanda, it's so fascinating of being financially savvy um, with your money has helped you on your own journey. But I want you to think back to a time when, you know, you were maybe my age or, or um, podcast editor Maddie's age, your early twenties, and you kind of, everyone doesn't really want to think too far ahead. You know, you may be dating someone that you're really in love with, but you don't want to think about what the worst case scenario could look mm. like. You know, you're really healthy and you're loving your life, but you don't want to think about what life would look like if you were to get some type of chronic illness or God forbid, cancer of some sort. Um, you just don't yep. really want to consider those things. So how in your own journey has being financially savvy like helped you? So for me, my financial savviness started, I've worked since the age I could work and I have been quite financially independent from a very young age. So I think that there is a certain amount of um, that fierce independence that existed in me from, from way back. Um, and so when I, um, when I was younger and I got married, I came to my marriage with a very, like just a small share portfolio, nothing, nothing, nothing major, but I came to, to absolutely. But it's an asset, like what we were talking about. For, absolutely. Before. It's and, an asset. Um, I got married quite young and being financially savvy meant that we lived a very good life because I was the, the financial advisor and I worked really, really hard. Um, but being a romantic didn't help me very much because when my marriage um, ended, I walked away with my car and my children and nothing else. Mm. So I had to start again. 
Um, so in that perspective, I vowed that I was never, ever going to find myself in that position ever again. I was going to make sure that my children were educated so that they would never find themselves in that position again. And I also um, made a promise to myself that any woman, man, anyone that walked into my life um, in a professional sense would be educated as much as I could so that they would never find themselves in that position again. Um, and going on from that, one other thing, and I didn't have that, but something that a lot of people don't think about, and I, I feel quite passionately about this as well, is that, you know, the romantic in me, you know, you'll you get married and you may, may, may or may not want children. But in this day and age, we rely on two incomes very, very heavily. Okay. And we, we, um, we, we spend, we are, we are a nation of spenders right now, um, even in COVID times. <laughs> and um, what, what I find is that people don't stop and, you know, they, they, they plan. I get a lot of young couples, we want to get a bigger house. We want to do this. We're willing to take on a big mortgage because the banks say we can. And then they become parents and they're so heavily reliant on two incomes that nine times out of 10 that the mother or the, the you know, the, the, the primary caregiver, if it's not the mother, is taking a reduction in a wage or um, having to go back to work quicker than they wanted to. And so the decisions around parenting and work actually become quite scary because it's not like you have a choice sometimes if, you, if you're not thinking about it in, a, in advance. Well, childcare costs, I mean, that's just a whole other thing. Like some people actually kind of financially afford if you don't have grandparents close by or relatives, there isn't another option other than to, to be a stay-at-home parent of some sort. Yep, yep. And then you're putting financial strain and and one of the biggest, and, and, it, and it becomes this um, domino type effect because one of the biggest um, emotional strains on people is money. Mm. And then you'll find that their, their mental health can um, disintegrate a little bit as well because we're stressed or, or things mm. like that. And if you don't have the protection in place, you know, and you can't work because of this, you know, so the, the, all of these domino effects can happen and people don't look into the future enough uh, about this. We all just want to have those uh, <laughs> like rose colored glasses on. Unfortunately, yeah. it's it's and it's a really harsh reality. You know, I think hearing your story, like it really hits home a bit because no one plans on having a divorce. Like no one plans on getting married to the man that you love or the woman that you love or whoever that person may be having kids and then having to figure out the next stage of your life and walking away with only a car to your name. Like that's not something that anyone goes into a relationship or a marriage hoping to happen but it's a harsh reality of realizing that hey that might not happen to you like and and I don't want to scare any listeners right now like if you're in a loving relationship or marriage like there's nothing to say that this is going to happen to you but I think it's important to realize that we need to be prepared for any kind of situation or outcome and whether it's a divorce or it's a health crisis or it's a 
you know, um, someone that you really love or your partner loses work. You know, we've just seen the COVID pandemic and so many people have lost their jobs and livelihoods because of it. And like you just said, Amanda, we do rely on a two income household a lot these days to raise a family. You know, we need to be prepared for any type of situation to come across our plates and be able to deal with it in a way that does not mean that we're like in, in financial stress. Uh, look, and I agree. And let, let's flip it a little bit. And you have talked about my situation and, you know, I haven't been successful in love, but I've been successful in, in a, so many in other a lot ways. Of other things. Yeah. But, but those people that are successful in love and, and it's hard, my job, my, my job entails me to have hard con, um, conversations with people. I don't want to think bad things happen, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't actually bring people's attention to things. And there's a story, and I'd love for the listeners to, to go and have a, have a look at this story as as devastating as it is there's a like I said I do triathlons there's a young professional triathlete in Queensland oh, is this 19 Lexi? yes Lexi yeah that story so, is incredible please continue so, <laughs> yeah. well so yeah so and it really is incredible but if we take that to a 19 year old girl who was on the up and up in her life in in every aspect you know just a shining light and she was okay. almost uh, like a limp like olympic level that's right like, top of that's her career right. yeah and and she is learning to walk again she is lucky to be alive alive mm. now not a car hit her it wasn't a car crash it wasn't anything it was just one of those freak accidents that that occur and so you look at that particular situation and um it, it's not I mean it's an amazing and and I really would love everyone to go and look for the move for Lexi yeah I will um, be oh, actually um I'll put it in the show notes for anyone who doesn't um isn't aware of um Lexi like Amanda said she's a 19 year old based um up on up in Queensland and she is at the top of the like a triathlete level and um unfortunately she came off her bike at a very high speed um and is very lucky to be alive and is having to basically regain movement throughout her whole body it's a very powerful story so please go have a look at it it is, and and so that that's just an example of you know what happens if if and and I'm going to take extend that not to Lexi's particular circumstances because I don't I actually do know Lexi but you know going to personal life but what happens if you are in a loving relationship um, and your partner something extraordinary happens to them and you've got no choice but to keep working and you can't even be at that bedside because financially you're not prepared. So I look at it in that way as well. Everything's about giving yourself uh, the flexibility to have choice Mm. in your life. That's what I see protection is. It's not insurance. It's not spending money to do X, Y, Z. It's what makes you personally comfortable to have the decisions to, to, to have choice in your own life and that could be different for absolutely everyone but you have to have a look at it yourself look yourself in the mirror or look at your goals and look at your own personal situation um, and, and think well what 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 does choice look like for me should something happen yeah absolutely we're going to delve into this a lot more in terms of like how you can actually set yourself up um, to be protected but we're going to delve into some listener questions first we had two lovely listeners send some in and the first one is from Sarah and she wanted to know what are things I can do to protect my finances in a relationship 
So we have kind yeah. of talked on this being like, yeah, one of the prime examples, but what are some things Sarah could do? Yeah. Look, it, relationships and family law, unfortunately, if you're living together, it's one of the power, most powerful mm. laws in the world. <laughs> well, in Australia anyway, um, and our, our laws are a little bit different. But the, the thing that you can do to protect is if, if you do come into a relationship with um, substantial assets, you can do things called financial mm. agreements. And these financial agreements are basically stating in black and white what assets were bought into the relationship to start with and they protect that from that particular person uh, you know in that thing and if you never need it you never need it and that's great Um, and and so I think that having discussions with someone is really important and um, you know as I said I've got two girls and the discussions will as a mother will be difficult with them and make sure you are moving in with the right person and and all of those mum things that come along with it but with that added um, financial well it is it's interesting and I've only realized this actually like you know I've went after living with my um, partner for some time but you know we do it is a bit of a different um way that relationships happen these days like I I mean traditionally you wouldn't live together before you were married and these days it's Mm. very different you know I don't see myself getting married anytime soon but I've been living with my partner for like nearly three or four years now but what I didn't realize is once you do live together and you've been living with each other for I think six months you're considered de facto which means that basically if you were to break up legally you are both entitled to to half of each other's assets which is including superannuation and (laughs) I think a lot of people might be sitting listening to this going oh my god what (laughs) like an obviously worst case scenario you break up with your partner and neither of you guys want to do that but legally if your partner wanted to they could absolutely take you for court and fight for half of what um every assets that you own because they have entitlement to that which is really which is actually really quite scary when you consider it like that it is, and and the one thing when I when I talk to people about property um, mm. as well, so we do often live with um, partners, and and we do buy property t- together. How you buy that property is is really important. So you need to make sure that you get some legal advice, financial planning advice, whatever it is. So you can purchase a property as joint tenants or tenants in common, and they actually have two completely different meanings to who owns that property and how should something happen Um, and that's one particular thing how you buy a property can protect you from um, family law Um, if you if you pass unfortunately if you pass away and it's not necessarily who you want your money to go to things like that so how you purchase a property is a really important thing as well Mm-hmm. Um, look, and the other thing that we do find, and I know that you're you're young and and things like that, but we're finding more and more um, uh, blended families, mm-hmm. and that's a really important consideration as well. Is that you've got two two adults that may have children from different relationships living under the one roof. So protecting yourself and your your family is is important as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The second question is from Tilly, and this is quite an interesting one. She wants to know what you recommend for couples who are um, dating and splitting financial costs. So she's wondering, do you think it's best they split them 50-50 or should they be split according to each person's income? So for example, um, I think this is actually, um, I've heard this before on 
financial advisor, um, Victoria Devine on She's on the Money, which is a really popular podcast. But she's put, for example, I earn 60K and they earn 80K. Should they pay more because they can afford to? This is a really hard question because there's no right or wrong answer in my um, my opinion. My opinion in that particular circumstance is that it needs to be a conversation. And if you can't have a conversation with your partner now about money, you're going to be in a lot of trouble later on in life when things really do get hard. So however you decide that, you've got to come to that conversation with your beliefs and you should be able to talk about it. And it's actually a really good tool to practice important conversations later on um, I, I look at it as if you were sharing a house with someone that wasn't your partner would you be splitting the costs 50 50 potentially you would be um, I'm fiercely independent so my makeup is that regardless of what I earn I would always want to put in half and make sure for my own sake that I would be paying feeling like I'm paying my own way but that is me that's my personal opinion and how I feel and so um now, if I was earning more than my partner, which has happened before, would I expect 50-50? I probably would. That's just me, though. When you're going into a relationship um, you and you're joining finances, mm. the hardest thing to do is start having these conversations. So either way works, but I don't have an opinion because I don't know that listener. And that's how I do my, my um, financial advice as well. I've got to get to know the people before I can help guide them on their way. Yeah, and it probably does change considering the circumstances. I mean, like if you're having to live in a rental property that costs maybe a little bit more than you would usually pay because it's closer to your partner's work and he earns a lot more money than you, that's a different, completely different circumstance. But like you kind of just said, Amanda, it kind of just depends on, you know, your personal situation and, and how that affects you and your financial stability as a whole. It is. Um, and, and I think some, you know, there's, a, I'm going to take that another step further. I do this a lot. Sorry. But if you, you okay? can't have a conversation about things like that now, what happens when you want to build wealth together and you want to start an investment portfolio and you've got completely different, what we call risk profiles, someone's um, risk adverse and someone wants to just go crazy in the, the market. I've had couples sitting in front of me with such extremes and um, unless you're practiced at having conversations about money, then these things and then these things won't happen because you'll put it off. Oh, no, I'm not sure where, what we're going to invest in. I'm not sure what we're going to invest in. So in, in that particular situation, I think it's a great learning experience to go and have the conversation. Whatever happens, happens. Um, and, but if you want change, go and, go and try and see how your partner is open to change and doing it different if you've got a different opinion to what you're doing. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So let's move into the the little bit more of the hows. So where should we start when it comes to protecting our assets? Like, what do we do? <laughs> okay, and I, I know I know this sounds simple, and I know I sound um, repetitive, but you've got to understand your your current financial situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, where do your assets lie? Do you have loans? What are they? What do they amount to? Um, what are your assets? Uh, cars, house, you know, all of those things. What could you sell if you needed to to sell it? So what is your net worth? 
what, what, what is it? Um, so you've got to understand that there's no way you will be capable of developing a wealth creation plan or protecting that plan if you don't understand what your current situation and capabilities are. So that's the first thing. Okay. Um, the second thing is, and, and this is what I said to you when we first chatted, is uh, invest in yourself. Uh, appreciate yourself your number one asset for most people at this point in time is your ability to earn money mm. and people don't comprehend that because we've got a car or a house but how do you continue to pay for all of that if you are not earning money um so that that's a really really big one we'll, we'll talk about that we're keeping it we're going to delve into that um and then the third one that that i think is you've got to ask for help if, unless you're a financial advisor like me or you're lucky enough that your parents are or your brother and sister, you, you need to go and seek some form of advice. Now, most people's superannuation funds will have advisors attached to them. So this is by no means a, 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 um, a spiel to come and see Amanda. It's just saying go and seek some information as to what you already have available to you. Many superannuation funds actually have insurance attached to them. Um, and you can increase that within your superannuation, but you've got to know the, the rules around the ability to pay out. So a lot of the superannuation funds that have default insurance, there's some stringent rules that people don't necessarily know about. So go and have a conversation. Don't just look at your superannuation statement and say, oh, look, I've got X amount of life insurance or I've got income protection or income continuance insurance. So what's your plan to protect your income if you can't earn it? Because all your other plans will fall out the wayside if you're not putting mm -hmm. money into your plan. Mm -hmm. And while I'm on the superannuation track, what's really important for all those those um, uni levers and in your situation is who you put your beneficiary to your superannuation um, because there are actually rules, very specific rules of what are legal um, beneficiaries from a superannuation perspective. So anyone over the age of 18, you cannot put your mum and dad down. They're actually not a financial dependent. Yeah. Um, and so in your particular situation, do you mind me? You've just shared a bit of information about you. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I honestly wouldn't yep. even know who, who I would have no clue. Is, is it common for people? Do you have to put someone or could that person be blank right now? Well, well, so, so this is, so if it's blank, if it is blank in your situation, it will go to whoever the state or the trustee of that superannuation deems is your closest financial dependence. So in your situation, if you're living yeah. with your partner, yeah. it's your partner. But it could be a fight that your partner goes through to get that done. If you've put actually, if it's not a defined beneficiary, then it could be stuck for ages. And true story, um, my when I was about to get married, one of my husband-to-be friends unfortunately passed away. He had his mum and dad down as a beneficiary on his superannuation fund, which is not a valid beneficiary. They had to fight the superannuation fund for a long time in amongst all of their emotion to, to try and get the, the superannuation balance and the life insurance at, attached to that. 
Wow. Which is kind of awful because when you think of it, when something so tragic happens, it can sometimes be really great to have, um, I guess, the financial capabilities to grieve properly and to be able to have time off work to, in order to do that and not be financially strained because you don't have access to, um, you know, their super or life insurance and you're having to still go back to work to, you know, make sure yep. that you can keep yep. going while you're dealing with all that that's crazy absolutely and one and, and even so it's it's an added burden while you're grieving you know paperwork yeah. and getting phone calls from from super funds or having to decide to decide what goes where so it's really important that you have a will as well that is the yeah. the best way to protect and i know young people like why do i need a will well you need one because um it, it, you do have assets Okay. Mm. Um, and the other thing with your superannuation, it actually doesn't form a part of the will, believe it or not. So your superannuation sits outside the will, which a lot of people do not know. So it's yeah, actually right. a completely different asset than any other asset you own. Yeah. So two things everyone can do today is to go have a look at your super and to go, because you just get um, the will templates. You go to the post office, don't they have them? And you can just. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're not the best, but you'll get, you'll find, you'll find that most legal people around your area, they'll have a, a very cheap will. And, yeah. and it's well worth it, you know. Convince mum and dad to pay for it. <laughs> so tell them that. Hey, mum and dad, it. I'll leave it yeah. to you if you pay for me yeah. to get a will. So I've got to, I'm going to save you the the pain um, of doing that. But superannuation, one hundred percent. If you do one thing today, go and see who your beneficiary is on your superannuation fund. And if there isn't one nominated, you have to figure out who's legally allowed to be nominated or you leave it to your legal personal representative which says it flows through to the will and then if you don't have a will yeah right you're in, you're in a bit of trouble as well yeah and, and people and we're gonna I'm gonna talk about this a little bit later but superannuation regardless of whether you care about it you believe in it you think you're too young for it it's your money it is actually your money and it's 10 percent of your wage if you are employed going into that so it's a decent amount of money compared to what you're earning going into it so own it even mm. if it's as simple as spending half an hour an hour going and seeing what it is own it it's yours oh 100 i mean i'm i'm 25 and i've been working since i was able to get a tax file number and i think i looked in there the other day and i was like oh my god i've got like you know a really a, a, enough for a house deposit in there which is crazy because if i was to pass away to think that how useful or beneficial that money would to to whoever I want to leave it to could be is um is is quite yeah quite shocking I think we don't really realize how important that is to be considered at our age um on the super topic I know you've mentioned that um superannuation has certain insurances that come with it is there like what insurances would you recommend looking into with with your super Income protection is, is the first one because that protects your ability to earn an income. Income protection is as it sounds. It protects your income. Mm. If you're unable to work for a specified period of time, a certain amount of your income will be supplemented through an insurance policy. Okay. You know, we insure our cars. That's a depreciating asset. <laughs> but we don't look at insuring ourselves which is actually an appreciating asset because we have the ability to keep earning mm. earning money so that's in that kind of we're talking about those um 
those situations where if you were to fall incredibly ill, um, mm-hmm. that, that if you had that income protection, that your superannuation would cover you for that period of time that you are recovering or getting better and cannot work. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah, and and wow. people will say to me, but what about TAC, Amanda, or work what, cover? What's TAC? Oh, so TSC is the Transport Accident Commission. So if yeah. I have a car accident or I get hit by a car you know, or something happens to me on the road or I, I get sick at work, but what happens if you don't is what mm-hmm. I say. So you know you're going to get sick at work. So work cover is going to pay you if you fall over in your backyard. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like yeah. I know I've shared my personal story with having endometriosis. Like that's not a work condition. <laughs> And that's not going to be something that happens to me while I'm driving or commuting. And so like for me, I could totally see the benefit in taking out that, like it would just make so much more sense if my endometriosis got, you know, really, really horribly bad, um, that that would make complete sense for me to have. Yeah. And, and so it's, it, is impo- it is important to go and view what is available to you and each and every person's different. So I'm not saying that everyone's going to be able to access income access income protection through their superannuation. Um, you can get it outside of superannuation. There's lots of opportunities. But as I said, I'm not taking this podcast today as this um, come see a Amanda type concept. Mm. So I'm just trying to educate. Well, and educate. that's the thing that yeah. is... Um... There is so I mean, for I, you talked on the the first point there that you brought up is obviously making sure that you understand your financial situation. Like if you're in lots of debt and you're paying off a car loan and you don't have maybe, um, yeah, maybe any assets to your name per se because you've got these purchases that you're still paying off, um, it might not be in your financial capabilities to be seeing a financial advisor at this point. But if you're someone who owns a car outright, maybe has a a mortgage that is being paid off and you've got, you know, you've got a little buffer kept to the side for a rainy day if an accident was to happen and mm-hmm. you're investing in shares and you feel financially stable. Maybe that's, you can afford to see a financial advisor, but it's really interesting because um, I mean, maybe a lot of people have done this. I read the Barefoot Investor, but I was interested to actually understand that um, there's a lot of different financial helplines that you know, cost a, a complete range. Like if you can't afford to go pay top dollar to see a financial advisor, there is other um, like support communities and um, out there that can assist you and help you, whether it's just giving a free call to your superannuation fund who, who can advise you on those insurances and help you understand who is the beneficiary. Yep. Yep. Um, like that's free. You don't have to, you don't have to go see a financial advisor for that. Um, it's like those kind of things. I think there's the different levels that you can go do depending on what your financial circumstances are. I agree. However, I also think that if you're in that much debt, and <laughs> you probably need to, to see you, someone. You, you need yeah. to see someone. So you really need to weigh up what the, the cost benefit is mm. or, you know, or, or, or more so what the risk is if you don't. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. And the Barefoot Investor, if you've read it, fantastic. It is an amazing book. And if you ask me for a recommendation, go buy it if you mm. don't have it already. Um, and yes, uh, he has actually gone to be a financial counsellor. So on those financial services help helplines. Um, but again, unfortunately, with those type of helplines at this particular point in time, they are inundated with calls because yeah. people have been severely affected by the pandemic. And there are certain selection um, criteria to be able 
able to utilise those. So, so again, um, most financial planners, myself included, are more than happy to have a, a chat. Um, you know, I call them discovery sessions, mm. you know, reach out because at least then you'll know what you're looking at in terms of how much it would cost you to see a financial planner if you do need to see one or whether you can go to, to your super fund. Mm. So, so most financial planners will, will offer those. You can go to the um, Association of Financial Advisors site and there's a little think of you know to, to look for financial advisors in your area or figure out who's who offers what as well so that that's an option okay good I'll try put all these recommendations as well in the show notes so people can easily find them um what is the biggest mistake you see people make when trying to protect their finances they don't that's the biggest mistake they actually yeah. don't they don't think about it they don't invest in themselves um and they they think they're invincible they think that nothing's going to happen to them and we don't like to think about it. So we're going to have, I started at saying I'm a romantic, you know, even I need a reality check sometimes. And, and that's what the, the biggest mistake people make is they don't invest in themselves and they don't realise that their ability to make money is um, investing in themselves alone, their, their ability. So the other thing as simple as um, what upskilling, upskilling so investing in yourself mm. I don't mean go and buy insurance policies I don't mean go and put money into superannuation or start wealth it's just invest in yourself and what you can do so is the value to pay to do a course to upskill yourself to get a bigger income later on so again it's all about planning and, and people just fail to plan mm. sometimes um, of the younger mm. generation and by the younger I mean even myself we just disregard superannuation. We disregard it because we can't touch it until we're 65 and we're quite cynical in that will we ever be able to touch it because, you know, it's locked away and the government changes the rules and different, different parties get into to government and the rules change again. Um, but most people listening to this podcast will, I can nearly guarantee, be ineligible for the aged care pension when we're older. Whether it even exists, I, I don't know. Um, the, the, the amount of people that are retiring, um, this is getting a little bit deep, but we're at the biggest um, generational shift. So the baby boomers to the Gen Ys are actually the two biggest generations. And so the, the, we've got all of these people starting to retire that puts a pressure on our, our government's abilities to, to pay. And so mm. they set the bar higher and higher because there's only a certain amount of funds available to support people in, in retirement. So, again, I, I come back to that whole superannuation tends to be a swear word and just a word that no one cares about, but it is your money and it doesn't take a lot of effort to spend a little bit of time um, putting it forward. Uh, um, mm. other, than, other than your house, it's probably one of the biggest um, assets you'll have in retirement. Mm. It's so interesting, um, you know, what you were talking about, about upskilling. Um, I think we can look at, oh, you know, 
that's a really nice dress and it's only $120 and it's going to look really nice on me when I go to my friend's wedding. So I'm going to purchase that. But then we look at a course for $120 and we go, that's so much for that course. Oh, I could just learn it on Google and you never go around and do it. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's the value we place on things. Is that dress going to get you further ahead in your career and in further ahead in your um, earning capabilities? No. But is that course? Possibly. Yeah. But we don't consider it like that because our minds don't work that way. We go, oh, well, but um, that dress is going to make me look pretty and feel good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, that course might make me feel good later, but, like, uh, you don't get that, you know, that hit of dopamine as soon as you purchase a course. It doesn't work like that. I guarantee you'll get that hit of dopamine and endorphins when you get pay rise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we, we our brains don't yep. look at it that way because yep. it's that what can we get now yep. <laughs> and let's not think about the later. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the only other biggest mistake that um, I think a lot of people make still, and most of us are of the heritage of um, bricks and mortar. Bricks and mortar mm -hmm. are the best investment we can make. Buy a house, buy bricks and mortar. Um, but don't disregard what you can do in the meantime, even if it's chipping away at something. You know, to, yeah. you know, whether it is, uh, you know, from the barefoot investor, you know, he, he has quite specific um, amounts or percentages of your income to put in certain places. Um, something as simple as that, having that, you know, the fire extinguisher fund and the mojo fund, um, mm -hmm. those type of things are important. And what else can you do? Can you, can you start a share portfolio? Do you want to put extra into your superannuation? You know, do you, whatever it is that you, you don't just have your blinkers on to I'm saving for a I'm saving for a house because if I flip back to the start of the podcast when I was telling the story of my mum and was putting every cent into paying off her mortgage so that she had this house that was an asset how's that house going to give her an income in retirement unless she sells it yeah yeah this is a sad reality isn't it like, and I think that was something that um, I really loved about the um, Barefoot Investor was the, the having a diversified portfolio um, and that being so crucial to, to being able to make, you know, additional streams of income along the way. Um, gosh, we've been talking for so long and I've I absolutely know, loved every second of it, Amanda. <laughs> it's been so good. But I will leave you with one last question. I'm very curious to get um, to know your answer. And that is, what's the best piece of, I know you guys don't, I know advice is the wrong word, but like in terms of when you were our age and maybe it was something you learned in your career, but maybe it was something you learned from your mom or, some, or someone else. Yep. Um, yeah. What's the best piece of financial advice you've ever been given? This is an absolutely easy one, and I think that you'll get disappointed by the answer, but once <laughs> you go away and you think about it, and everyone's waiting for this light bulb moment right now, but my grandfather from a very, very young age of mine um, used to say to me all of the time, you determine your fate by the decisions you make. Mm. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> So you can take that as you would, but I take that as the best financial advice I was given is because everything I do is my choice and how I choose to do what I do with my money or not do with my money or whether I protect it. Everything has got to do with my decisions and that will determine my fate. Mm. So you determine your fate by the decisions you make. Own it. They're your goals, your money. 
your life. <laughs> Love that one. That's so good. And lastly, Amanda, how can we follow you? Uh, other than being my cheer spot at the next triathlon I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll be there. Um, you can go, you'll find me on Insta and I'm sure you'll um, tag me, but it's at Amanda underscore try, T-R-I underscore mum. Or my website is www.amandathompson.com.au. Check it out. It's a bit of fun. Fantastic. I'll be popping those links in the show notes as well so you guys can easily find Amanda there. Um, Otherwise, thank you so much. This has honestly been incredibly beneficial and I think – anyone listening will probably agree with me. We're going to like go and do some serious work on um, assessing our financial situations right now and making sure that we are protected in, in any way, shape or form that we can be. So thank you for for helping us out today, Amanda. Thank you. It's been great. to today's episode of the wow i hope you enjoyed it i release new episodes every tuesday so make sure you hit subscribe or follow and tune in next week otherwise in the meantime you better come join us on instagram at the wow podcast underscore for more updates lastly a friendly reminder that the information shared in this podcast is general advice only and does not take into account your personal situation or needs where appropriate please consult a professional first thanks guys have a good week this podcast was produced by georgina beasley and edited by maddie hewson